Hey guys, and welcome to episode 241 of Red Yeti's Built on Passion. I'm your host, Matt Delabono, and today I'm sitting down with founder of Armadillo Merino, Andy Coy. Armadillo Merino makes merino clothing and base layers, but their focus is way different than anything you've likely come across. They focus on functionality, but not just for comfort and temperature control. They take things even further by delivering a product that actually keeps you protected in extreme conditions. Andy's been in the merino game for a long time, so it's safe to say he's no stranger to the magic of merino wool. He got his inspiration to start Armadillo Merino after hearing countless of heartbreaking stories of people in extreme conditions, think firefighters, members of the military, things like that, having synthetic next-to-skin clothing melted to their skin under extreme heat. In his eyes, there was a simple solution to that in merino wool, and that's something that we We'll definitely dive into, so buckle up. While synthetic fabrics can be good in certain situations, Merino's natural qualities make it one of the absolute best choices under almost any circumstances. In this episode of Ready Yeti Built on Passion, Andy expands on how and why he started Armadillo Merino, some of the deeper beneficial qualities of Merino wool, and he shares a little bit more about his plans for sharing his passion for Merino wool as a material with the world. And with that, let's just jump right in. What's happening? We're going. Andy, thanks for joining me today. Thanks. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I guess to start off, who is Andy Coy? I'm uh, Andy Coy, based in Wanaka, New Zealand, uh, which is um, well well down under, down below Australia. Um, I've been raised on a, a sheep station and I've been involved in, in wool, wool products and wool production throughout my life, uh, working with some Really cool brands, including Ivex Outdoor Clothing, who used to be based out of Woodstock, Vermont. Um, and I've now recently uh, returned to New Zealand from England, um, where I was living. Um, so I've returned back here to because of Brexit and uh, are enjoying the benefits of living in, in, in a beautiful country down under. Oh, yeah. All comes full circle, right? Yeah, for sure. So we're, we're here to talk about Armadillo Merino. Um, I'm, I'm excited to, to find out more, but for the listener who is unfamiliar, what is Armadillo Merino? So Armadillo Merino is a world famous brand that you've never heard of. Um, it's a brand that's used by professional um, risk takers working in extreme environments um, all around the world. So we're working with the cool kids. These are people that are they're going to the absolute extremes of human endurance and in a paid professional capacity. And um, our business came about because it was when I was living in Vermont, um, we were seeing soldiers getting fried in Iraq from wearing synthetic base layer garments. So these IEDs, these roadside bombs were exploding and it was melting the synthetic base layers that they were wearing, melting into their skin, causing life-changing injuries. and it just it just didn't make sense because they were being inflicted with unnecessary injuries because of the clothes that were being issued to them. 
And with my background in wool, um, I knew that wool had no melt, no drip properties, which are really, really essential, but it's also flame resistant to over a thousand degrees Fahrenheit without adding any chemicals and going, well, surely we can use this natural fiber and adapt it to protect soldiers um, working in, in these uh, dangerous environments. So we formed Armadillo just over 10 years ago to outfit frontline officers um, who are going into combat zones, but also looking at people who are involved in refueling, tank crews, air crews, um, because there's always a risk of, of heat and flames there. But what we found was that after we started addressing soldiers was that police officers and firefighters are also wearing synthetics. And uh, quite surprisingly, firefighters are wearing polycotton fabrics for their turnout gear, um, which is remarkable when, when they know that their, their profession is to be dealing with heat and flames. So we're on a bit of a crusade to help uh, change the mentality within these organizations where they have frontline officers so that they consider the health and, and safety of, of these frontline officers and stop putting them in increased danger by putting them in products that are dangerous to wear and put them in something that's protective. Makes a ton of sense. If you're dealing with fabrics that are melting, it seems like a, a no-brainer to kind of get to something a little bit more natural, fire-resistant. Yeah, and it's uh, the injuries are uh, horrific. And through um, the work that we've been involved with, we've been introduced to a lot of soldiers and police officers and firefighters who have been inflicted with with injuries that um, could have been um, at least reduced, maybe not prevented because of the, the scale of 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 the, uh, the the danger dangerous situation they were in. But it would have greatly reduced the severity and and the pain and the physical scarring that happens with it. Because this isn't just, this isn't candle wax at Christmas time. This is, uh, this is melting into the skin. It requires surgical removal. And then you've got the, the, the secondary um, issue, the risk of blood poisoning and, and contamination. And then you've got permanent scarring. And you go, gosh, you know, if that was my, my son or daughter who'd been inflicted with this unnecessary injury, I'd be pretty, pretty annoyed. It's it's interesting that that was the jumping off point for merino. I mean, you, you hear about you know merino as a as a fabric. It's not um, necessarily super new, but it's always in the context of moisture. So to take this and apply it to oh well, we can just use this for temperature control as a whole and protect you against heat. It's 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 actually something I've never specifically heard of anyone going out of their way to do. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating because Merino's got a whole lot of uh, unique properties that are inherent in the fibre. So you don't need to add chemicals. It's got anti-static properties. It's got its odour management. Um, it's able to keep you cool when it's hot and keep you warm when it's cool, uh, warm when it's cold. So these properties, what we're trying to do is is um, accentuate those unique properties for those end users that we're, we're working with. And I, th I think what was fascinating at the beginning was you've got these guys who are out, you know, rock climbing, who have no money, they're sleeping in the back of the car, but one thing that they do go and do is they go and buy Merino clothing. And they know and trust and can rely on, on, on a Merino-based garment to keep them comfortable over a whole range of climatic zones. 
and yet you've got professional people who are trained and qualified and are prepared to put their lives on the line who are being given uh, something that's dangerous and isn't appropriate for what they're what they're undertaking. It's something that there's finally a reason to look into an upgrade. It, it must have been like the new thing at some point when you they introduce synthetic fabric and they're like, oh, this is great. But you go long enough and you realize that, okay, maybe this isn't the best thing. I mean, in you, for your case, you look, you look at an issue, you say, okay, there's an issue with this. I have the solution. Here you go. And you're delivering and solving a problem that you know, people have just been overlooking. Well, I, I, you've raised a really interesting point because it's, it's been driven by popular brands. The use of synthetics and its ability to make you look buff and, um, you know, it's tight figure hugging. Um, you know, it looks great. It looks great at the gym, but it's totally inappropriate in a, in a combat or a frontline situation. You, you raise a good point as well. They're, they are completely different situations. Training is when you're, you know, picking up some kind of, um, you know, training gear or exercise gear. It, I feel like you don't need to be as practical in the same way when you're looking at survival or getting through extreme elements, which makes sense. It's, it's also been driven by cost and cost has been a, a, a key component. Merino garments can't compete against synthetic as, as far as procurement cost. But if you look at the lifetime value, or if you look at the cost of preventing one single injury, you know, the cost of reparation for bringing back one soldier, one policeman, one firefighter, you talk about hundreds of thousands of dollars. And, and, and if you've got silos of, of costs, so you've got the procurement costs, those that are buying the garments, and then you've got the medical costs over here. If the two of them work together, what they should be doing is offsetting the medical costs against the additional charges or value of, of purchasing a merino garment. Do you think that people are starting to, I mean, per, me personally, I, I'm seeing more and more Merino brands, Merino being used in uh, products. Do you think that people, like the, the average consumer is starting to kind of see that Merino is a better option than synthetic fabrics? Yes, for, for a, and this is, this is a pretty complex question because it's multi-level you've got people making lifestyle choices about more sustainable um, um, purchases. So they're looking at buying products that are having less impact on the environment, that the fibres are not biodegradable, they're decompostable. So you've, you know, to have a biodegradable fabric is not actually addressing the solution, it's just breaking it down into smaller components. A biodegradable product, which is what merino wool is, it returns the nutrients back into, into the ground. Um, you're also avoiding the risk of, of microplastics, um, which we're in becoming increasingly aware of the impact of these getting into our waterways and into the oceans and into the aquatic fish life. And then we're eating the fish life and it's floating around the oceans and going to the Arctic and all the way down here past New Zealand to the, the, the South Pole. So these are things that we can address with, with natural fibers and, and, and merino. Um, and, and then there's, so there's the, the cost of the procurement, the, like the, the longevity, which is looking at the maintenance of it, and then the disposal. 
And no one really puts a value after the initial purchase. And I think increasingly consumers are becoming much more aware of looking at something on value rather than the straight initial procurement cost. Oh, that makes sense. People want bang for their buck. I mean, if and if you do have something that you truly love, you don't want it to break down and have to keep on buying a new one. Yeah, I think the, the other aspect is if you look at Merino from a performance point of view, it's a very versatile fiber. And if you think of your skin as your comfort layer, that's where you, you know, people... Um, ask us how you know how how do we define comfort and we say our customers define comfort as the lack of discomfort so if you're feeling comfortable you're not thinking about anything that's distracting you and and this is really important for our users we're looking at um, the operational effectiveness of these people out in the field and the last thing they want is a distraction from a thread or a short sleeve or the smaller their back being exposed or being too hot or too cold so Merino is very um, adept at, at keeping people um, comfortable. In a, in, and so you have a much broader comfort zone depending on your um, exercise level. And so by addressing that comfort issue, um, it provides a, a much more versatile end-use application. So you can we, – we do an interesting thing with the police force. We give them a three-day challenge, and we say on the basis that we give you a – one of the armadillo t-shirts for a three-day trial. We want you to wear this garment for three days and three nights. You wear it to your PT, you wear it to the office, you wear it on the beat, you wear it to bed, and you get up and do it again for three days. And they say, there's no way I can do that. But once they've done that three-day challenge, their belief in the product and what it's able to do and adapt so they can go sweating and then come down and sit down in their office and write a report and, and not feel uncomfortable because there's no odor. You've got no residual moisture. So I think what's, what we're discovering is able to clearly articulate the functional and performance properties of Merino and how it's superior to synthetics and to cotton in the way that it maintains that body comfort. Getting back to Armadillo specifically, was there a specific moment that you knew like you knew okay i'm going to start a merino company i mean you're you clearly it seems like you guys started addressing the issue of um synthetics in extreme environments there's extreme situations merino is clearly more versatile to handle that type of thing was that really the jumping off point of you saying this is the thing we're gonna do let's take it somewhere yeah i think i just seen repeated stories and I was reading more about it. There were reviews into some of the injuries in the military and going, well, no one's offering a solution. We know this works. Let's let's come up with a solution. But let's not be a uniform company. Let's just focus on next to skin. Because it, the, you look at next to skin, it should be your first layer of protection, not the last layer. And And so part of the challenge we've had is to convince uniform procurement people that they should be building the uniform from the inside out because that that first layer is so critical from a, a comfort and a performance point of view but what traditionally has happened is they start from the outer layers so they they look at the the heavy um, protective uniforms the ballistic plates and then they build it they get to the inside and they go oh better give them a t-shirt <laughs> so they don't look at it as an integral part of a system 
they look at it in isolation and so they go, oh, we'll give them a, a cotton T-shirt, cheap as cheap as possible. We're actually, if you build it from the inside out, you can actually increase the physical load and improve the, the, the stamina and the endurance and the speed up the, the rate of recovery of, of these people who, particularly if they're out there on multi-day exercises. So how, how did you develop your, your products? Did you start off with like a t-shirt or a specific product to, to add to someone's, I guess, outfit or, you know, what, what's, what's your process of just developing? Good question. So we felt that we, we weren't going to be all things to all people and we weren't trying to take over the whole uniform. So we focused purely on next to skin products covering everywhere from head to toe. So focusing on the feet, if you can't, if, you, if your feet aren't operating effectively and you're not mobile, then it, you're as good as a, a person down. So, so it's really important to have good, good, good socks. Um, people focus on boots saying you need good boots, but good boots only work if you've got good socks. So our focus was let's get the feet right. You've got to get cover the legs. So if you're in, in cold, wet conditions, you've got to look at long johns. Um, and then all the way up to the head and the hands. So focusing on, on the peripheries. So by focusing on that next to skin layer, we had to build up a really, really interesting or in-depth um, knowledge of, of, of the skin and how the skin operates and how the skin changes and adapts to help you thermoregulate to maintain a, a stable core body temperature. And so the development of our fabrics and garment designs was very much around the functionality of how do we maintain the, sc the skin and, and, and keep it as close to a, an equilibrium as, as possible. So what we found out was that by wearing the armadillo garments, we could delay the onset of sweat by up to 50%. So if you're out there on an exercise, one of the, one of the, the heaviest things you've got to lug around with you is water. And this relates to wildland firefighters as well. So if you're out outside, you've got to carry your water. One of the things you want to do is reduce the onset of or delay the onset of sweat and then reduce the amount of sweat that you're generating. And um, it's interesting, we're working with special forces soft community at the moment. And what um, and they're working in, in extreme cold weather conditions. So this is um, you know, getting down to minus 40. And one of the key things for them is the preservation of moisture. And so they start off in a condition in the morning, what they call as being comfortably cold. So for us, it's freezing. And so they don't try and start off warm. They try and start off being comfortably cold. And when they stop, they layer up to retain the heat that they've got. But what they're trying to do is be as close as possible to that perspiration point without perspiring excess water so they're trying to preserve the water by keeping keeping the body at a, a temperature just below that perspiration point so it means that they can preserve that moisture they they can um, go be stronger go stronger for longer so you mentioned that you i mean you 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 offer um like a t-shirt to a couple of people in uh, on the police force to try it out, do what they're going to do. Do you have any issue or is it an obstacle to educate people on Marina and just get them on board? Or is everyone pretty much a believer right when they uh, uh, give it a shot? You, 
it's always the, the toughest. The, the, the first sale is always the hardest. <clears throat> People's yeah. perception of wool is that it's itchy, prickly, it's heavy, it's, uh, you only wear it in winter, it's hard to care for, it shrinks. Those issues have all been addressed. We are using what's known as merino wool, and that's a special type of sheep breed that produces a super fine fibre. And we select the fibre based on the fineness. So we, we look at a whole range of parameters um, because the merino wool is grown down here in New Zealand under a, a ZQ certification, which addresses things like animal welfare and environmental protection and providing sustainable returns to growers. But we choose the fibre characteristics on, on some key parameters. We look at the length of the fibre, the strength, the colour, uh, the elasticity, which is really, really good for shape retention, and, and finally the micron. And the micron is how thick or how thin the fibre is. And this is a really important parameter for determining that next-to-skin comfort. So people think of itchy, scratchy wool. Well, that's going to be 30, 35 micron, and it's it's not designed to be worn next to skin. It's heavy and gnarly and it should be worn on the outer layers. But when you're looking at next to skin, you've got to go 20 micron or finer. And that's because the skin can't determine the prickle factor then, which is the end of the fiber digging in. The fibers are softer and they bend and they don't irritate the skin. People generally aren't allergic to, to, to wool or merino. It's, it is the end fiber that's irritating it. So 20 micron and finer is, is, is the next to skin product. So we use an 18.5 micron. So it's super soft and very luxurious to wear. And when people put it on, it's just like wearing a regular cotton t-shirt. Huh. I've, I've talked to a bunch of people from, you know, various Merino based brands. I've never heard micron as a, I guess a metric for, for softness. That's interesting. It's a critical part. Um, and if you have a look on our website, <coughs> we give that as a as a, a parameter for customers to select. So we, we have an 18.5. We also have a 17.5, which is uh, super silky. Um, but with selective breeding now, they're, they're getting down to 11 micron, which is super incredible. And this is for very luxurious fabrics. <laughs> The creme de la creme. What has growth been like over, I guess, Armadillo being around for just about a decade? Have you guys started to, you know, really pick up? I know offline you mentioned that you're working with NASA. I don't know if that's anything you can get into, but yeah, we've we've uh, we've now got we're, we've got consumers. So th there's two parts to our business. Uh, we have a B2C through our a transactional website where people can purchase our product from anywhere in the world. And we uh, offer same-day dispatch and then depending on where you are and um, you know, COVID times or post-COVID times, usually we can deliver within a week, but um, um, it's taking a bit longer at the moment. So the B2C, we've, we're working with all sorts of interesting um, consumers and in, probably 50 or 60 different countries around the world. The B2B side of the business, we have distributors appointed in each of our key markets, and they are supplying into police, into fire departments, into wildland fire departments, um, search and rescue, uh, ambulance, uh, helicopter rescue, 
um, and military, both in regular military and, and special forces. And so the, the, uh, the, the growth of the business has been very much pivotal around the, the appointment of these distributors and their ability to um, introduce, trial and evaluate and get our products into different organizations. Um, you touched on NASA. So our relationship with, with NASA went back to 2014 and uh, they were looking at garments to put the astronauts and the cosmonauts in up at the International Space Station. And they've been exploring different fabrics and materials. And I, uh, um, I'd entered Armadillo into a competition run by Nike and NASA. And um, unfortunately, we weren't successful, but I asked them whether we could speak to some astronauts about their requirements up in space. And I end up speaking to the clothing development team. And, um, and we were able to introduce them to Merino and the, and the properties of wool and how it performs. And so I uh, took a visit to Houston and met with the, the clothing development team. And we went through all the different properties, some of which I've touched on with you earlier. Um, such as odor and anti-static. And these are all really, really important attributes for up in the International Space Station. And they have been working with man-made fibers, adding chemicals and blending yarns and trying to come up with these combinations. And yet nature had delivered a fiber with all these materials, all these unique attributes already built into it. So for over the last 30 years, there's been all this innovation trying to come up with a, a fabric that can deliver it. And, and Marino had those properties there the whole time. Reminds me a bit of that story of um, NASA spending, yeah, I don't know whether it's just anecdotal or not, but um, it's, it's always an, an interesting story where NASA spent a million dollars developing a pen that would write in space and the, and the Russians took up a pencil. <laughs> That's it. When you, when you go too deep into technology, you you know, get away from just simple, sometimes the best thing that, that you can, you can hope for. We, 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 we come across it all the time. We're um, uh, not dismissing synthetics. Um, it, I think our world's amazing for um, the synthetic fibers that have been developed and what it can do in terms of performance enhancement in, in apparel. But most of the time, these, these um, fiber brands are mono attributes. They have a single attribute that's really quite outstanding, um, but it's, 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 it's a mono attribute. What's remarkable about Merino is that it's multi-attribute and, and it's the combination of all these different properties and characteristics that makes it so superior for the diverse range of applications that we're, we're putting it to. Yeah, even thinking about its function on a merino sheep. I mean, it it, it does make sense. It, a sheep is outside in the elements, you know, pretty much all the time. So it's only natural that their their wool has evolved to support you know living in rain and cold and dealing with their own odor. Well, you just you just touched on something really fascinating because the merino sheep were brought to New Zealand. They're prized for their fine wool for apparel, and traditionally it's gone into luxury suiting. But with the casualization of, of people and the way they dress now, 
it works extremely well and it's very versatile for, for clothing. Um, but the, the merino sheep in New Zealand have grown and adapted to the environment here. And um, they live in the Alpine um, regions, so particularly in the South Island. So these are sheep that are grazing up to around 6,000 feet above sea level, um, but go from a great extreme. So it can be um, you know, over 100 degrees Fahrenheit in, in the summer months, and then it goes to minus 40 in the, in the winter. So this, the sheep is, has adapted through the, 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 the wool fibre to um, be able to survive, or not just survive, to thrive within these environments. And you're running um, these sheep stations, you know, up 15, 20,000 acres, and they're running around one sheep per acre. So it's very open and expansive, and they're eating natural grasses and herbs in a in a really pristine environment. So it's uh, you know, it's the the best of life for sheep, and and it produces a wonderful, really long, white and bright fibre for for making into apparel. That's now those sheep are living the life. They they have a better life than we do. <laughs> yeah, seriously. They have no wolves, no coyotes, so. Uh, they just hang out. They just hang out there, sit out there, and they just they get beautiful views looking out over lakes and, <laughs> and rivers, and yeah, it's a good life. Uh, something tells me they're onto something. I should be taking notes here. <laughs> What's been the hardest part about starting and, and growing Armadillo Merino, if anything? I think the, the the biggest challenge is getting into institutions. Is uh, through government procurement. It's a long, drawn out retracted process you get changes in buyers you get changes in procurement patterns you've got incumbent suppliers who are embedded in, in an organization so it's very challenging to displace it irrespective of how compelling our our story is um, but we're getting traction and <clears throat> with leading um, specialist units now um, adopting armadillo as a, an integral part of their layered system um, it, that cross endorsement, um, you've got leadership um, coming, you know, leader, leading um, entities uh, within the special forces community who are now adopting it and see that as, as a, uh, a really important way to go forward. So yeah, getting into institutions difficult um, and then just being able to accommodate lumpy business because it's not like supplying into the retail sector where you've got visibility. Um, it's very much driven on the procurement cycle and, and when that coincides and they've got new budgets coming out and then they've got to use up the remaining budget. So you, you, you're, you're, you're running the whole time trying to meet their You got to catch them. Yeah. Catch them like the right and, moment and fulfill their requirements. Yeah, man. That's do you, do you guys, you guys do direct to consumer as well? Yes, we do. And we're supplying. Yes. We supply customers all around the world, direct to consumer. And if you, uh, if, if any of your listeners have a look on our website, because we, we, we watch other websites, but if you look at any of the Yacht Po reviews, um, it's quite remarkable. I think we're running at about 95% uh, five-star reviews. And we get very few returns um, and we, we get very few complaints. Most of the complaints we've had of late are, are slow or late deliveries. And that's just because of the sheer amount of, of freight that's being shipped around the world because of COVID. Get, shipping anything right now is a nightmare. Yeah. 
So I think the garments, just to, to touch on the, the garment design, it's as relevant for people in the on the front line as it is for consumers. And what I what I'd just like to explain is just some of the design features because we're different from a lot of the other merino brands that are out there. And, and coming back to the point I made earlier, removal of discomfort. So what we're focusing on is look, if you're wearing this garment for a number of days, what are the things that are going to really bug you? So Key features in our garments is we, we have no, no labels in the neck. So the labels are all on the outside. So you've got nothing to irritate the, the back of your neck or, or the side of, of your, your, your body. Um, we have long arms. Um, so those tall, gangly people, um, we, we, we cover them. But we also have tapered wrists. So we have a, a double cuff at the bottom and it's very long and it's tapered. So it means that you can pull your sleeve up and it stays in place, but it doesn't drop down over your wrist. So it means that it sits up and it keeps your hands free and mobile if you need to use them. We do integrate thumb holes and, and that's an optional extra. Um, if we don't put them in, people ask for them. We put them in, people say take them out. So we put them in, it's your choice as to whether you want to use them. Um, under the arms, from the wrist, under the armpit, all the way down to the waist, we have a single panel that, um, with without seams, that's designed to remove any any abrasion. So if you're wearing a backpack um, or your lugging gear, you're not going to have any abrasion as your arm rubs against the, the side of your body. We have a long back, um, at, which is really important, particularly for people leaning over, so that the nape of your back doesn't um, small of your back doesn't get exposed and we have raglan sleeves so no seams on the shoulders that means that you can layer up without any seam rub points so our focus is very much about eliminating those things that bug people um, and when you look at the garment it looks very simple and and and, and clean but the functional aspects are um, have been built in for very very specific reasons are you guys working on anything are you, do you have anything specifically new in the pipeline or is it just constantly like tweaking and improving? Good question. Um, we have our main line, which is um, standard, very standard colors. And if, what we want is, is people to have real confidence in buying an armadillo garment. So we have spent a lot of time getting the design right at the beginning. It's a bit like buying a pair of Levi 501s. You, you find the size and color and fit that you like. You just want to go back and buy it again in three years' time and five years' time. And that's what we've done. We, we spent a lot of time at, at, before we launched um, so that we got the, the style and fit and fabrics right. And we've maintained that same um, profile the whole way through for the last 10 years. So that, that's really important. Um, but then beyond that, we've, we're having re requirements for the professional users looking at extreme cold weather and extreme heat and flame. So we now have three different collections that address um, the mainstream. And then with extreme cold weather, we're looking at a layered system. So next to skin and a range of different materials, different fabrics that use no melt, no drip fabrication. So we have blended it with um, an FR polyester to give added strength into a mesh garment. And these are layered, so it's a, a mesh inside a, 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 a merino layer. And so this is to 
help um, provide protection and, and comfort for people who are going into sub-zero temperatures. And then at the other end of the spectrum, looking at extreme heat and flames, these are uh, people involved in motorsport or extraction teams in a fire department who know that they have to go into a building. So what are the, what are the fabrics that we can develop that provide them with, with protection? We've got a, a major issue with fire, the fire service at the moment in the United States because there are firefighters dying from cancer through the um, PFAS chemicals which have been used to treat uh, their turnout gear to make them flame resistant. And these, these chemicals are very carcinogenic. And because these firefighters are wearing breathable turnout gear, the smoke, um, the smoke and the contaminants from the external environment are actually passing through the membranes and contaminating the skin. And I think what's, what's fascinating, what we found through our research is that a five degree Fahrenheit increase in skin temperature increases your skin porosity by 400%. So if firefighters in the worst possible combination, they're dealing with heat and flames, their pores are open up, they're hot and sweaty, they're wearing a garment that's microporous to supposedly to let the body heat out, but what it's doing is allowing the smoke to come through, and they're dealing with a really toxic environment and toxic chemicals that have been treated on their, their turnout gear. So what we're trying to do is help um, raise awareness that Merino can act as a, as a buffer um, to help with that thermoregulation and to capture some of the, the contaminants coming through so that you're not getting skin contamination. Yeah, it's, it's incredible how you, you've taken, like you've isolated all these different possible extreme situations, like what you were just describing. I mean, firefighters, being exposed to toxic fumes and smoke and what their current outfit is like. It's interesting that you're able to take that and just with just Merino go in and say, okay, this solves this issue this way, this way, this way, and this way. Um, Cause I, I always thought of Merino as such like a, a broad fabric and by you even being able to take it and apply it to these specific situations seems kind of incredible. Well, I think what we're also learning is that, here you've got firefighters working in the extremes, but no one thinks about the chemicals that we're absorbing when we're wearing synthetic garments. When you're wearing a petrochemical garment, your skin's porous. It's not, it's not it, it may be water repellent, but it's not waterproof. And your skin breathes and it's absorbing chemicals out of these synthetic garments and it's affecting your, um, you know, the, the, there are chemicals and, and, and products that are endocrine disruptors. and we don't have any understanding or appreciation of how those, how those chemicals are impacting our, our health, our current health, uh, whether it be our mindset or the way that our body functions. But it's a risk that we, we, we're choosing, or whether we're aware or not, it's a, it's a risk that we're taking. We do know that Merino is safe to, to wear next to skin. And the chemicals that we use during the process are are, are gentle, um, so the, the scarring, the processing, um, but we don't need to add any chemicals in to, to enhance the functionality within the fabric. Yeah, I mean, simple, again, simple is best. Back to nature. Yeah, right. All right, Andy, it looks like we have time for one more question. Um, what is the best part about running Armadillo Merino? 
Um, we get to meet all the cool kids, <laughs> all these people <laughs> that do these amazing <laughs> things, and we we would never come in contact with these people otherwise. I've met the most remarkable explorers, adventurers, that these people that um, do the most um, unusual things. You know, there's guys that get fired out of submarine hatches. There are people that are jumping off, off cliffs to, to, to rescue people. Um, there are people that, you know, most of the time we're working with people that have to go out in, in extreme conditions. So whether it's urban search and rescue, post-earthquake, or if it's after a flood, so or mountain rescue, they're usually going out when it's cold and wet and miserable. <laughs> you never get to do these things on a nice sunny day. So um, I think what, what I've enjoyed the most is the, the people and the personalities, but the, the wonderful stories that the, these are people that we don't hear about. They're the unsung heroes. And what we're able to do is, is forge some r remarkable partnerships with, with these people. And if you have a look on our website, we have a section called the champions. And within that, we profile just, just a snippet of some of the people that we're working with. And you just, you go, wow, these, these are awesome people. So it's, for us, it's a real privilege to be working with them and, and associated with them. And, and I think the fact that we're able to make a difference in their lives is, is probably the one, you know, one of the most satisfying aspects of, of what we're doing at Armadillo. All right. For, for anyone who wants to find out more about Armadillo Marino or even pick some up for their, uh, for their own use, where is the best place for them to head? The easiest place to go is the armadillomarino.com. And um, we've got a, a range of men's and women's wear head to toe. You can wear our T-shirts in the heat of summer and keep cool, or you can layer up and use them for, for, for winter chills or as you're coming into the, into the spring wear. They're great for mud season. <laughs> Perfect. All right, Andy, thank you so much for coming on. Great chatting. If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, then we would be incredibly appreciative if you could log on to iTunes and leave us a quick review. This really helps us get noticed by other podcast listeners like yourself. And if you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, then please share it along. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Ready Eddy Podcast. We'll catch you guys next week.